What's going on, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to another episode of Cavanade today for November the 7th of 2018. My name is Samuel Adams, and welcome to today's show. Now, for those that might be joining me for the first time, this is a daily gaming news podcast where I keep you up to date on everything going on in the gaming industry, and it is hosted live on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams Live every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, yesterday was election day, and I had to work at the news station tallying up the votes. So we did not have an episode yesterday, but we are back in action and we have a packed show for you tonight. And of course, again, for those that may be new, the show can also be found on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media if you want to watch the VOD afterwards or if you are more into podcasts, it's available on multiple services, all hosted through the beautiful, not sponsored, Anchor.fm if you did want to check it out. Now, Dragon New Light, welcome to the chat. I hope you are doing very well. And if you want to watch live, for those that are watching the VOD later on, then by all means, dive in and check it out if you can catch the show live. But without further ado, what are we going to be talking about today? Some pretty good, interesting stories. First off, Red Dead Redemption 2 is killing it. It has sold more copies in the first eight days than Red Dead Redemption 2 sold in its entire eight years of being on the market. On top of that, Activision Blizzard stock has taken a hit after Diablo Immortal Backlash. Twitch users spent 34 million hours watching this particular game. A little bit of vocal clickbait for you there. On top of that, Blizzard's Hearthstone has passed 100 million players. 50% of Blizzard projects never see the light of day. DayZ is finally out of Alpha GameCube controllers can be connected wirelessly to the Nintendo Switch via an adapter. We'll talk about that and what that could mean for the Switch universe and specifically the Super Smash Bros. universe as well. On top of that, Sony has a brand new PS4 coming out, but it doesn't really matter, but still worth talking about. And there is a brand new animated video game movie that we just couldn't go without discussing today. And so that's the lineup for today's show. Again, a bit beefier than usual because we did not have a show yesterday, but still a ton of awesome news worth talking about. And so again, for those joining me live, I appreciate you being here. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the news of the day. First off, Red Dead Redemption 2 sold more copies in eight days than Red Dead Redemption sold in eight years. And this is some breaking news, if you will, that is coming out late in the day, but still... Some interesting news at that. Today, during Take-Two's second quarter financial report, the publisher gave us an update on how Red Dead Redemption 2 is selling. Spoiler alert, it is red hot. Red Dead Redemption 2 sold in more units in its first eight days than the original blockbuster Red Dead Redemption sold in its first eight years. And as of today, the title has sold in over 17 million units worldwide. Again, that's 17 million units worldwide, according to this Take-Two report. Because of the strong Red Dead sales and continued performance of titles like NBA 2K19, which Take-Two says has had the most successful launch in the sports franchise history, Take-Two is raising its forecast for 2019's fiscal year. And of course, you can find out more fuss about Red Dead Redemption by checking out not only Game Informer's review, but in general, just tuning into a social media network and giving the hashtag RDR2 a shot because people are crazy about Red Dead Redemption 2. Now, as for me, I'm still slowly working my way through it. I have been very busy in the real-life category of what I do with my life, uh, but I will say that I'm loving the story so far. It's a fantastic game, and it's really going to take off whenever the online version of the game does launch in just a couple of weeks. I don't believe it's going to have the same kind of success or the same level of success as we've seen with Grand Theft Auto Online, but I do believe Red Dead Redemption Online has a potential spot to be a big contender when it comes to where people spend their time whenever they're playing games online. 
But of course, this is no shocker for anyone. Red Dead Redemption 2 has been one of the most anticipated games of the past 10 years. It really is one of those games that brought dozens of people out to my local GameStop to pick up the game at midnight. And for that to happen in 2018, that takes a good bit. And so obviously people are still crazy about Red Dead Redemption 2. And I must say, it is a pretty fantastic looking, playing, and story-based game. So if you want to check it out, you can join the 17 million units that have been sold and pick yourself up one if you do get that cash out. Uh, I will say it is a game that has a bit of an evergreen kind of feel to it. It is a game you can play at any time, anywhere. Of course, not like you can play a game on the Switch, you know what I'm saying. It's something you can hold off until the spring or summer for if you don't have the funds right now because it is a game that is going to go down in history as one of the best of the generation, if not best games of all time. Uh, I could talk about this all night, but what you need to know is that Red Dead Redemption 2 has sold more copies in eight days than Red Dead Redemption sold in eight years, and that, again, is very, very impressive in my opinion. Now, moving on to some people that are not doing so well, Activision Blizzard stock tumbles following Diablo Immortal Backlash. Share price takes 6.74% hit to close out the day at the lowest point since January. And this is a story that was released yesterday, but again, we did not have a show yesterday, so I need to talk about it right now because, man... 6.74%, that's a good bit. However, Activision Blizzard shares have tumbled amid fan black excuse me, fan backlash, a little bit of a tongue twister there, towards the announcement of Diablo Immortal. Taking center stage at BlizzCon over the weekend, Blizzard's announcement of the mobile-only game failed to provoke any excitement from fans who took to social media with the hashtag NotMyDiablo. In true gamer outrage style, there is even a petition on Change.org with over 33,000 signatures demanding the Diablo Immortal be cancelled. The reveal trailer has been viewed nearly 3.3 million times on YouTube and has over 443,000 dislikes compared to just 17,000 likes. Following the announcement and subsequent fallout, Activision Blizzard stock fell to its lowest point since January, closing out the day down 6.74%. With mobile continuing to dominate the rest of the industry in terms of revenue, the reveal of Diablo Immortal should have prompted a very different response on the stock market. According to a report from Bloomberg, Diablo Immortal could generate up to $300 million annual revenue and extend the franchise's reach considerably, and I agree with both of those statements. However, in a note to investors, research firm Cohen & Company via GameSpot said that Blizzard severely miscalculated the fan response, suggesting the company isn't as in touch with its players maybe as it should be. This decline comes just weeks after the company took a 9% hit to its share price with the release of Call of Duty Black Ops 4, which generated $500 million worldwide sales over launch weekend, falling $50 million shy of its predecessor. So... That is a big hit, if I do say so myself. Now, is this something that's going to cripple the company? No. This is not something that is going to be an everlasting kind of impact. It's just something that reflects how gamers are feeling about the reveal of Diablo Immortal. Uh, I've been talking about the entire situation a good bit on previous episodes of Caffeinate. I've also talked about it in real life with people. And I'll repeat my opinions here again. I believe there is a lot of outrage that is justified by the fact that Diablo 4 was not revealed and that in its place is this mobile game but I also think there's a good bit of overreaction uh, because a lot of people are blowing this way out of proportion. Diablo 4 is still happening. There is a separate team developing Diablo 4. This is an external project from a company that has been brought on externally to complete this game, and it, quite frankly, is a good way to not only generate revenue, but also to bring more people in and get more people interested in Diablo overall because the generation of gamers that is deeply rooted in Diablo is beginning to fade away a bit. And so whenever you come to terms 
terms with that, you have to realize we need to get people in on Diablo, and to release a Diablo 4 is a bit intimidating, at least for newcomers like myself. Now, I will say, if you did want to check out Diablo Immortal, the trailer is still up on YouTube. It has been removed a couple of times. It was re-uploaded to make sure that that like ratio was as good as it could be. Guess what? Still really bad, but again, it doesn't look terrible. It does look like a bit of a reskin, in my opinion. However, when it comes down to it, I'm just not really sure what's going to happen with this game. Uh, I will definitely be playing it when it does launch on iOS and Android, and of course, you can join a waiting list right now if you did want to dive into that. Uh, but this game is going to get a lot of backlash when it comes out, and I will be shocked if the game actually lasts for a considerable amount of time. Of course, more than likely, it will be met with backlash, and then people will forget it exists, and then more people will come back and play it later on, because Diablo on mobile, it's what people actually want. Just kidding. But, still, very interesting story. Thought I would talk about the overall impact of it on Activision Blizzard stock. However, moving on, Twitch users spent 34 million hours watching Black Ops 4 on the launch week. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of time. Twitch viewers spent around 34 million hours watching Call of Duty Black Ops 4 during the multiplayer shooter's launch week. According to GameOLoco, which has been tracking Twitch live streaming viewership data since 2014, that's a 270% viewership increase on previous release Call of Duty World War II. As the graph below shows, Black Ops 4 has outshone the past four Call of Duty titles by some margin, and GameOLoco believes the game's Blackout Battle Royale mode is largely responsible for that change in fortunes. While there are likely some other factors at play, such as the growth of Twitch itself and Activision's own focus on building a streaming community, the Battle Royale effect does appear to be in full swing. And of course, for those interested in where the figures do come from, GameOLoco says its numbers are taken directly from the APIs of major streaming platforms, including Twitch, and you can find more about the company at the link that is included in the article right here. Uh, now, this is a very interesting little chart that we have here. Now, I will say I don't know the validity of this. I believe the report. I believe it is valid. But let's go ahead and break this down. So again, 34 million people watching on launch week, or excuse me, 34 million hours launched or watched on launch week. There we go. Getting it out a little bit at a time. Uh, now that is compared to 9 million hours watched for World War II. As compared to Infinite Warfare, 4 million hours watched. Black Ops 3, 9 million hours watched. And Advanced Warfare, 6 million hours watched. Again, that is a 270% increase over last year's Call of Duty game. And I will say, very impressive stuff from them right there. Uh, now, when it comes down to the overall report, what is the impact of this? I think that it is because of the Battle Royale genre, if you will. I think it's a genre in and of itself. Uh, it's because of that movement from Fortnite to PUBG to Ring of Elysium to all these other PUBG-esque games that have come out. Uh, it is that movement that has really driven this game to success because without this BR mode, I don't think the longevity of a Call of Duty game on a modern streaming platform would necessarily be there in the same kind of way. Of course, you see people streaming Blackout every single day. Uh, in a way, it has overtaken PUBG, and you can see that by the numbers, and you can see that by the fan interaction. Overall, people are just more excited about Blackout right now than anything else whenever it comes to BR. Now, Fortnite is the exception. Fortnite is the new Minecraft. It is going to be popular for a very, very long time, and it's not really going to waver from that number one position, except in certain circumstances, like on the day that Black Ops 4 actually launched. Uh, now, when it comes down to the overall impact, impact of this? Could this be a Call of Duty that continues to evolve year after year? It very well could be. We'll see what happens. But overall, excited to see the future of Black Ops 4, and if they can in fact maintain the fidelity of the franchise, 
I think that they can. Now, I will say that I have been enjoying Black Ops 4 myself. When it comes to the time that I have put into it, I've probably played about 12 hours of the game or so. Again, been very busy. But I will say that I spend more of my time playing multiplayer because I think the game really does shine in the classic multiplayer experience that Call of Duty is overwhelmingly known for. But... I will say Blackout is very, very fun. It's a cool little take on Battle Royale. I believe that if I bought the game again on PC for Blackout, uh, I might have more fun with it because that inventory system is absolutely abysmal when it comes to the console version of the game. However, I am a big fan of it still in uh, you know its methodology, the way that it works, the way that it flows. And of course, Zombies is a very fleshed out experience, no pun intended. Uh, so if you did want to check out Black Ops 4, it's a cool little game. And again, 34 million hours spent watching on Twitter. And that's not even counting the people that watched on Mixer, YouTube, etc. Again, YouTube, the big one there, because many, many people did watch this game on YouTube. But again, 34 million hours. That's a good bit of time right there. However, many people have spent a good bit of time playing Hearthstone because it has passed the 100 million player mark. Blizzard Entertainment has announced that their deck building card battler Hearthstone has registered a whopping 100 million players since its launch back in 2014. Yes, it was that long ago. Obviously, this number refers to all accounts activated to date. The PC and mobile strategy game, which is currently approaching its 10th expansion, Rostockens Rumble, I believe I said that correctly, has massed a huge global community as players far and wide play Hearthstone online or meet up at one of the 2,000 Firestyle Gathering events that take place each month in real-world locations. Reaching 100 million players is a huge milestone for Hearthstone, but what matters to us even more is the fact that so many people around the world have embraced the spirit of the game, said Blizzard President J. Allen Breck. Whether at events like BlizzCon and Fireside Gatherings or just in tuning in to watch their favorite streamers, it's been so inspiring to see millions of players and fans coming together online and in real life to participate in the Hearthstone community. To celebrate the Hearthstone, or the Hearth Milestone, haha, a small in-game event will run between November 7th and November the 11th, again live right now. All players logged in during this time will receive six free Boomsday Project card packs and can take part in limited time challenges to bag extra gold. And of course, Hearthstone is out right now on PC, iOS, and Android platforms if you did want to check it out. Uh, now again, 100 million players, nothing to shake a stick at. Very impressive number of people here. Uh, I also also believe this is generating a lot of revenue. Again, revenue not mentioned in this Destructoid article, but overall, very impressive number of people, and for a good reason. Uh, I would say that Hearthstone is the most popular card game out there right now when it comes to a digital medium. Of course, Magic the Gathering might have a bigger following than that, uh, but when it comes to the overall quality of the game, the overall accessibility of the game, Hearthstone is a game that even I can play, one that I have a good time with. I will say that whenever I do play a card game, which is very rarely these days. Uh, I prefer Slay the Spire just because of the type of game that that is. It seems to keep me more engaged. But overall, Hearthstone, fantastic little one that has a very high, uh, I guess, level of skill. A high skill cap is the best way to put that. That you can achieve if you do end up sharpening your skills to be the best Hearthstone player that you can be. And I believe in you. I truly do. But if you did want to jump in, again, Hearthstone is free on the PC, the iOS, and Android platforms, and you can buy packs, as many card games let you do if you did want to get deeper into that. But 100 million players, nothing to shake a stick at, and that's very impressive. And of course, Hearthstone is one of those games where it was a bit of a risk. People didn't know if this would actually take, and so they went ahead and went on a limb, and lo and behold, now we have 100 million players. However... 
50% of Blizzard projects never see the light of day. Coming to us from Game Informer. Blizzard has a number of well-known games we've heard about and even played in some cases that never saw release. StarCraft, Ghost, Titan, and Warcraft Adventures, to name a few. In addition, Blizzard has killed numerous titles we've never even heard about. Executive producer Alan Adam told us a little bit about how the process works over their Game Informer during an interview at BlizzCon of 2018. Quote, we have roughly a 50% success rate, he says. I do a presentation internally for Blizzard and for the Activision companies at large. Sometimes our brothers and sisters at King or Activision, Treyarch, Sledgehammer, Infinity Ward, they're curious to hear how our income incubation we're good. Incubation process works. I have a slide where it shows a curtain, you know, and how does Blizzard consistently make great games? And it shows a picture of Blizzard covered by a curtain. And the next slide is this terrifying looking clown. What? That's not relevant at all. Sorry, that wasn't in the quote. I'm just trying to figure out why that was included. The truth is, behind the curtain, it's a horror show, but most people outside of Blizzard don't realize around half of our titles don't see the light of day. So, people who think we're a consistent company, we're only consistent in that we only release really amazing games. Those games that never see the light of day aren't just left on the cutting room floor. Adam says many elements are repurposed. The interesting thing about almost all of our failures is that almost all lead directly to the next success, he says. Titan led one to one to Overwatch. No Nomad, which most people have never even heard of, led to World of Warcraft. That's a repeating pattern. We honor our failures, learn from them, and they most almost always directly lead to the next blockbuster title. That's kind of the dirty behind-the-scenes truth of how we make games at Blizzard. And that is the end of the article. Now, I will say... This is amazing because it does give you a behind-the-scenes look at what is going on when it comes to how they develop games over at Blizzard. Uh, a lot of information came out of BlizzCon that was kind of thrown under the rug because of the Diablo Immortal backlash. But with this, I love the fact that he returns around and goes a full circle and talks about the fact that there are many, many elements from various games that have been canceled to get put into various games and perhaps even become completely repurposed and create these new experiences like World of Warcraft, like Overwatch. These amazing experiences that so many people have worked on aren't just forgotten. It's just that the creativity and the work behind it has been shifted a bit and now it is something completely new. And I wish more companies would do this kind of behind the scenes glimpse as to what the process is actually like because I think a lot of people could learn from this uh, because developing a game isn't quite as simple as idea development release money there are many many other kinds of you know circumstances that do impact that overall course of action and some games never see the light of day some do and companies shut down like we saw with Lawbreakers uh, and of course the Radical Heights movement that we saw earlier in 2018 kind of weird to think about that but when it comes to BlizzCon 2018, what we do have the confirmation of is that 50%, roughly, of Blizzard projects never see the light of day. And that means a lot of games just go and fall under the rug. Pretty sad there. Speaking of a game that should be under the rug, DayZ has finally entered beta after a five-year alpha. It's still shambling along, according to the guys over at Destructoid. Daisy's development has been anything but rushed. The zombie apocalypse survival game first entered early access in December of 2013. Ever since then, it has been an alpha. Now, nearly five years later, Daisy enters beta on PC. The important distinction between the two, as developer Bohemia Interactive says, is that Daisy's content and features are mostly finished. Now, Bohemia needs to focus on the finer aspects, such as optimization, balancing, and bug squashing. Bohemia lists some major points of the beta as, and I quote, <clears throat> 
Major engine changes, improvements to game and network performance, introduction of base building, massively improved implementation of vehicles, more elaborate AI for infected and animals, major map rework to make Chernaris, I believe is how you say that, more beautiful and detailed, and the ability to run your own servers on top of modding support. This milestone has been a long time coming. In May of 2017, Bohemia first mentioned that the beta was a couple of updates away. As it turns out, that meant another 18 months. At long last, the alpha is finally in the rearview mirror. While history tells us we shouldn't get our hopes up, Bohemia indicates that Daisy's beta might not be all that's protracted. Its 1.0 release is still expected before the end of 2018, and maybe that'll happen, or maybe it won't. But Daisy moves at its own slow pace, I would say, kind of like a zombie. So for those that don't know the significance of Daisy, it is amazing to really see what has been happening with Daisy because, of course, it is one of those games where almost everybody has heard about Daisy at one point or another. At one point in Twitch's history, uh, it was a massive part of what people wanted to watch. Daisy was the go-to for many people when it comes to games, and it really did help establish a lot of the big streamers that you have today, and some people still play it. Now, after five years of being an alpha, a lot of the fans fan base, quite frankly, got fed up with the game and moved on because other stuff came out and the Battle Royale movement came around and H1Z1 took off and it's been kind of a downhill spiral from there. But with the consideration that Zombies games are making a comeback in a way, I think DayZ could still have a chance. Now the question is, how much of a chance does it actually have? So when you're thinking about the future of DayZ, I believe they need to push out the 1.0 beta as soon as possible. Uh, of course, you know, within reason, I don't want a shitty 1.0 update, but still any kind of update would do. Uh, and on top of that, just continued improvement on server-side stability on top of that, just making the game a better experience. Because after five years of being an alpha... If you take a lot of time to be in the beta, the 1.0 release should be nearly perfect, if not the definition of perfect. If you want people to come back to the game, you need to be able to provide them a good experience. That's really what it comes down to. Provide them a good experience, and people will stick at your side. That's what we've seen time and time again with many games. And that's something that is proving to be a reality with this year's Call of Duty. It's just one of those situations where Call of Duty went downhill for a very long time, and when you have a quality experience, people will come back. The effort goes a long way, and so DayZ and the developers over there at Bohemia Interactive need to take note of this, and it should be noted that uh, hopefully, <laughs> you know, they'll pay attention to that. Uh, however, Roy in the chat says, hey Sam, coming in before the shows, and oh yes, we still have many stories to go over, and welcome on in, my friend. But moving on to the next story of the day. First off, Duke of Spook in the chat says, last time I tried playing it, it was so badly optimized. Had been out for years at this point, too. That is what I'm saying. To go back to the story before we move on, I don't want to dwell on it too long, but I just want to take this moment to say... The optimization of a game in this state is imperative to the success of the game in the long run. You can't have a poorly running and poorly optimized game and expect it to have a massive return, especially when the audience is still fleeting. That is what I am saying right here. Daisy and the developers need to nail it. They need to absolutely nail the quadruple backflip that is flipping this game back to the direction that it needs to be going. But I digress. I could go on for a good bit about this. Definitely a lot that needs to be done. 
Now, moving on to the next story of the day for you Smash fans out there. GameCube controller wireless adapter arrives just in time for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. The G Bros. wireless adapter will be out on December the 7th, just in time for that new Ultimate experience. 8-Bit Do, best known for its retro-style wireless controllers, will be releasing a new wireless adapter on December the 7th. Nintendo fans may recognize the date as the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate launch. That release synergy is entirely intentional, as you would expect. While Super Smash Bros. Ultimate will support Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons and Pro Controllers, you really need a GameCube controller to smash the way nature and Masahiro... Sakurai, nailed it, <laughs> intended. A few peripheral manufacturers and Nintendo itself are releasing GameCube-style controllers, but if you've already got a few originals lying around or want to use one of the new ones without needing to sit a few feet away from your TV, 8-Bit Do's new G-Bros device has you covered. Instead of using Nintendo's wired GameCube adapter, a GameCube controller can be plugged right into the G-Bros, which connects to Switch via Bluetooth. The comparison that 8-Bit Do makes is that a Wiimote, or Wii Remote, and Nunchuck, though to me it looks a lot more like a portable charger. In addition to GameCube controllers, G-Bros also supports NES Classic and SNES Classic controllers, and the Wii Classic controller, if you happen to be holding on to one of those for some reason, I will say, very, very supportive of that movement. The Wii Classic controller is one of the best controllers that I have ever used, without a doubt. The G-Bros wireless adapter is available for pre-order for 20 bucks and will ship on December the 7th. It uses a standard AA battery, which 8-Bit Do claims will power 30 hours of playtime, a considerable amount of time. Uh, now, I will say, Roy on the chat says, it's not a WaveBird controller, though. Disappointed. I have played on a WaveBird controller, and I must say, it is a fantastically euphoric experience, uh, but still a good move overall. I think that these peripherals can definitely come in handy. Uh, my question here is, what is the latency like? I'm very curious as to what that is going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that much. I would assume Bluetooth is pretty fast when it comes to transferring data from one device to the other, and so this could actively work. Now, the question is, will this be allowed in a tournament kind of setting? Why would you want this, number one? And number two, I doubt it. So, of course, number one, wired, you know, setups are always going to be better. That's why I've hardwired all of my computers through Ethernet. That's why the keyboards that most of us use are wired directly into the PC. The technology is getting there to where wired connections are kind of comparable to wireless or wireless are comparable to wired, depending on how you look at it. Uh, but they're still not quite there. And so I think that this is going to have a lot of value for those that are just chilling out on their couches playing Nintendo Switch. But outside of that, who really knows? Now, I've also heard reports uh, that this can be used for any kind of game that you play. So if you want to play Super Mario Odyssey or Bayonetta with the GameCube controller, you can do that as well. And that would be very fun, very accessible for a lot of people. And of course, Dragon New Light in the chat says, seems like they're kind of going for old is the new new. Absolutely. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot here. Uh, now, I will say, with the release of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, they also released a couple of GameCube controllers uh, that you can buy that are compatible with the Nintendo Switch, and there is a Nintendo Switch adapter if, as the article said, you are still hanging on to it, but... As for right now, the old stuff is still making a comeback, and Nintendo is just playing on that nostalgia factor, and also the factor that a ton of people just like playing Nintendo games on a GameCube controller. That's what it simply comes down to. So, overall, pretty good move on their part for not only bringing in more cash, but also really satisfying those fans that want a GameCube controller. And we'll see if this wireless does end up working out, but as for right now, I'm going to stick with my wires because I like my connection completely and totally tethered to whatever device I need to communicate with. 
However, speaking of new devices, Sony's new PS4 Pro quietly fixes its noise problems. Now, before we jump into this, I do want to say that over the summer, I traded in my launch day PS4 along with an Xbox One and I ended up getting a PS4 Pro. I started playing God of War in 1080p at 60 frames per second on this thing, and let me tell you, it sounded like a tea kettle that was beginning to warm up, just slowly but surely building up before all of a sudden unleashing this fiery breath of air that lasted for as long as I was playing God of War. Uh, And it is insanely loud. Now, it's not so loud that it cripples my experience. It's not terrible. It's just really, really loud. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into this. The PS4 Pro can be loud, especially when running intense games, but these noise issues appear to have finally been fixed with Sony's latest revision of the console, according to an analysis by Digital Foundry. From the outside, the new CUH-7200 looks almost identical to the previous models of the PS4 Pro, of which, for those keeping track, there have been two. However, the back of the bulky three-pronged PC-style power connector has been quietly swapped for the same slim standard figure 8 cable that Sony and Microsoft both currently use for their PS4 Slam and the Xbox One S consoles. Although this change doesn't appear to have made any significant difference to power draw or heat output, suggesting Sony hasn't yet shrunk the processor, something about the overall revision has resulted in a significant drop in fan noise from between 50 and 55 decibels for the original PS4 Pro model to between 44 and 48 decibels for the updated model. Without ripping one apart, Uh, It's difficult to know precisely what has changed, but if you're already looking to pick up a PS4 Pro this holiday season, this seems to be the model to go for. But there's a catch. Unfortunately, it is not necessarily easy to get one. Digital Foundry discovered that Sony quietly snuck the new PS4 into the Red Dead Redemption 2 bundle. Look out for a CUH-7216B on the front of the packaging if you are interested in that route, but that means buying a copy of a game you might already own, which is Red Dead Redemption 2. We imagine this revision, they say over at The Verge, will quickly become the default console as retailers run through their old stock, and I would agree with that statement. Now, overall, uh, the PS4 Pro is definitely going to be the go-to for a lot of people when it comes to the new PlayStation that they want to own. It is going to be the mainline console for a lot of people, and the Slim is going to be the budget entry-level model, as it should be. Uh, I really do enjoy my Pro. I like the fact that I can run things at a smoother frame rate in some cases, or at a higher resolution. Uh, But overall, do you need one? Depends on your overall setup and depends on your overall goal. Now, with these new versions of it, I do believe that it should not sound like a jet engine getting ready to take off. I believe that it should be as quiet as possible because it really can impact your overall experience for the game, especially if you are not using any type of headphones. If you are going through the overall TV speakers or perhaps an external soundbar, this could be something that is definitely distracting, especially for those that are playing stuff like Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, where the audio is such a large part of the game. By the way, totally recommend playing with headphones when it comes to most games because that sound design is impeccable when it comes to playing with a set of good earbuds or perhaps an over headset kind of device. Uh, But if you did want to check out the brand new PS4 Pro, again, that is going to be included in the Red Dead Redemption 2 bundle. And I would say that these should be rolling out to every single store, at least as far as what is on the floor, probably around the middle of December, if I had to guess, maybe the first part of January for all of the stock. Uh, But I could not recommend the PS4 Pro enough. Fantastic little console. Again, now that it's quieter with these new models, going to be a fantastic purchase if you do choose to make one. 
Not to put down the launch day PS4 or the slim PS4. Both are fantastic. And also, whatever you play on, just make sure you're having a good time. But the PS4 Pro is definitely the go-to, especially considering that it's not really that much more than the PS4 Slim. Some people say it's not worth it if you just have 1080p. I just have 1080p, and I am very happy with my decision because of that increased frame rate for some games that do enable it. Just some things to think about, but something I didn't want to think about ever again. There is a brand new animated Super Mario Bros. movie tentatively planned for 2022. Shigeru Miyamoto is front and center of this project. That Super Smash Bros. animated movie in development finally has a release window. Excuse me, I said Super Smash Bros. That would be amazing. I want to I want to reel that one back in. That Super Mario Bros. animated movie in development finally has a release window. In a chat with Variety, Illumination founder Chris Melodandry, sure, confirmed that the animated flick was in priority development with hopes of putting it in theaters by 2022. And yes, as Nintendo announced in January, Miyamoto is involved. The iconic game designer is front and center in this process. Melodandry, I still massacre it. Dude, Chris says from Illumination. The involvement of this series creator will theoretically add depth to the frankly rather threadbare plot without souring the spirit and producing a fiasco like the 1993 live-action flick. The guy from Illumination are best known, and the company is best known for producing most of Despicable Me and Minions movies, which have been commercial successes, but not necessarily critical darlings. Nintendo and Universal Pictures are certainly invested in making things a success in all facets this time around, and involving the original creator can only help. Again, going back to his name it is Melodandry. There we go. So, if you did want to check out the new animated Super Mario Bros. movie, not to be confused with an animated Super Smash Bros. movie, that is going to be coming out in 2022, and that is going to be a very interesting movie. When it comes to video game movies, it can be done well. I am a believer in that. Has it been done well up until now? No. There has not been a very good animated or live action video game movie. It's just not something that has happened as of yet. Now, with this animated movie, it could be good depending on what direction they take it. I don't know if it's going to be one of the ones that takes home Emmys or Oscars, whatever the movie award is, but it could be a financial success for Nintendo. The Nintendo Switch is, of course, one of the most incredibly successful consoles of all time, especially considering the amount of time that it has been released. But when it comes to the overall impact of Nintendo, it is now returning to its status as a cultural icon, not only for our generation, the people that might have been playing games for 20 years or so, the people that are just beginning to get into gaming. Nintendo is a household name again for those younger gamers. And so for those that are really into Super Mario Odyssey, if you're into the new Super Mario Bros. games on the Wii, that have been ported over to the Wii U and also to the uh, Nintendo Switch, I believe, uh, you can definitely see where this could be a critical success, not only with fans, but also with kids specifically, if you did want to check that out when it does come out in 2022. And again, as Roy says in the chat, it will be better than the live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Trust. Listen, when my boy Jim Carrey signs on to be Dr. Eggman, I believe is the official term. I don't know if he ever got his doctorate degree. Uh, I don't know. My ears are open. My eyes are looking. It's just one of those things where we'll see what happens with this. But will we see a new trend of animated video game movies? Maybe if this one is a success, again, this is all just speculation, but for those that are waiting on a brand new Mario animated movie, then boy, do I have good news for you coming in 2022, and we'll see if this one does get canceled. However, you never really know. This one could actually go on to be a pretty big success, but we'll see what happens. 
So that wraps it up for today's episode of Kevinate. If you are brand new to the show, this is again hosted live on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams Live five nights a week, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time if you did want to check it out. I appreciate the new follows we got today. I appreciate everything you guys do for me. And of course, if you do want to follow over on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, you can click that subscribe button and stay up to date on all of the hottest episodes of Kevinate. Or you can always just follow me over on twitter.com slash guy, and that will keep you up to date not only on the content, but also on the memes and the funny jokes that I make throughout the day. But you guys have a fantastic night. I love you very much, and I will speak with you soon. Peace.